Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including house churches, gathering times, and other resources, please visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Steve Fowler. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men had scrambled eggs for breakfast again. Well, that's the Fowler version. That's the version I grew up with in my home that my dad gave to me, and I passed it on to my kids. And uh, yes, you know the nursery rhyme ends a little bit different. All the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. His life was shattered, the shell fractured, and, uh, and, and, and the smartest and the brightest of the day, the, the most powerful of the day, all the king's horses, all the king's men, they didn't have what it took to put Humpty back together again. They couldn't fix him. And there was brokenness. And friends, can we just pause for a moment? Easter 2021 and acknowledge the fact that our world has a serious case of the Humpty Dumpties. There's brokenness everywhere. Lives have been shattered. The fault lines in our souls have been, they've been exposed And the brokenness, it's not something new. Frankly, this has been going on for decades, centuries, millennia. The brokenness is a, it's a, it's a relational brokenness. It's a psychological brokenness. It's an economic brokenness. It's a sexual brokenness. It's a racial brokenness. It just goes on and on and on. And friends, a crisis, a crisis will expose the hidden fault lines. And when they are exposed and when our brokenness is on full display, what we often tend to do is minimize, rationalize, or better yet, highlight other people's brokenness and say, look, well, at least I'm not like that. And yet the reality is that the Humpty Dumpty syndrome is alive and well in our world. And again, friends, it's not something new. Uh, Jeff read this text, the, the Easter story, we, we celebrate, we love the fact that the tomb is empty and it, we, we, we're rejoicing this morning, but hit the pause button on that story for a moment and go back just a few days, three days, to this moment where Jesus, he knows that he is going to go to the cross. He's not looking forward to it, but what he is looking forward to is a last meal with his best friends, a meal in which he can just soak in their friendship in his hour, his time of need. And yet, the brokenness of his best friends is on full display. You see that Jesus has been trying to tell them that he is going to be betrayed, that he is going to be arrested, and yes, he is going to be executed. But they're not hearing any of it. And here they are at this Last Supper. Jesus is hours away from being arrested and being betrayed, and his best friends are doing what? They're arguing over who is the greatest in the kingdom. See, they, they think, Rob Basham talked so well about this last week, they had expectations that Jesus was going to come and he was going to overthrow the Roman Empire and the golden age of, of, of the David-like golden age would be inst- instituted and the good old days would be here and they were thinking about the positions of power that they would have because they've been friends with Jesus. And yet Jesus interrupt, interrupts this, this false dream and says, actually, guys, that tonight one of you is going to betray me. One of the gospel writers responds by saying, the disciples were like, Jesus, how could you think of something like this? How could you even think this way? 
And, and Jesus is saying, actually, no, you, one of you is going to betray me. And it's the one who's sharing this, this bull with me right now. And Judas is exposed. And Jesus goes on to say that he's going to be arrested. And you know what? All of you guys, you're going to scatter. Well, the brokenness of pride is on full display as they're vying for positions. And now we see this brokenness of, of unkept promises. Because Peter, in all his bravado, will step up and, and say, look, Jesus we're not going to leave you behind. We're not going to desert you. In fact, all these guys, all these wimps, they may, they may desert you, but you can count on me. I'm going to die for you, Jesus. And Jesus has to tell Peter, that actually, Peter, I'm going to die for you. And Peter, what's going to happen tonight? The pressure is going to be on, and you're going to distance yourself from me. You're going to deny me. Not once, not twice, but three times. And in, in, the, in, the, in the course of it, you would, there's going to be this rooster that's going to crow, and then it's going to hit you. The brokenness of pride, the brokenness of false promises, of disloyalty. Well, then three of his best friends go to the Garden of Gethsemane with him, and Jesus says, please watch and pray. Jesus is thinking about this dark moment that he's about to enter into, and his best friends fall asleep. Why? Not because they had too much wine on Passover. Not because it's just been a long day. Luke tells us in his gospel that they are exhausted with grief. They're emotionally wiped out. Ever been there? Just, they can't stay awake. And here is Jesus in his time of deepest need. And his best friends are, are suffering with a case of the Humpty Dumpties. They're friends with him because they want position. They betray him. They deny him. They abandon him. And Jesus goes to the cross alone. But the good news is three days later, a stone will be rolled away. A man dressed in white, an angel will roll it away and will be sitting in an empty tomb. Women will come expecting to put spices on a dead body, but there is no dead body there. Jesus Christ is alive and he comes out of the tomb. And what does he do? He does the unthinkable. He tells the women to go proclaim this good news that he is alive to his best friends. Yes, the ones who, who wanted to be near him because there was position. Yes, the ones who were there who betrayed him. Yes, the ones who denied him. Yes, the very ones who abandoned him. Friends, before the good news of the gospel will go to the ends of the world, before the good news of the gospel will be demonstrated to people who have never heard, before that ever happens, Jesus will apply and demonstrate the good news of the gospel to his closest friends. See, in our day and age, when someone fails or someone lets us down and maybe in a time of our deepest need, what we end up doing is we just cancel them. They've let us down. They've blown it. We surgically remove them from our lives. But here is Jesus. Friends, the, these are the people who are going to be trusted with the greatest mission that God has ever moved in in human history. And he's going to give it to people who abandoned him, who deserted him, who denied him. Oh, the grace of Jesus Christ. Reminds me of a story that's taught in one of the Gospels of a woman who's caught in the act of adultery by religious leaders. They bring this woman to Jesus. And they say to Jesus, Jesus, the law of Moses says that if someone commits the sin of adultery, that the, the punishment is execution by stoning. So Jesus, what do you say? 
And we, we, we see the scene in our eyes, and we're told that the religious leaders, they all have rocks in their hands. And, and Jesus says these incredibly famous lines. Many of you know what he says. And friends, guess what? Many outside the church know what Jesus said. Because Jesus said as religious leaders are there, ready to condemn someone, caught in the act of sin, and she was sinning. And Jesus says, he who has not sinned may cast the first stone. And then the sound of thuds, stones dropping. The Gospels tell us that it's actually, it's the older men who start dropping the stones first. Perhaps length of life, some humility is there, some meekness is there. It's a realization that they have a serious case of the Humpty Dumpties. The fault lines run deep in their souls as well. It's covered with religious robes, but they know their sin, and they begin dropping the rocks, and then everyone begins dropping the rocks. Jesus says to the woman, where are your accusers? They're gone. And then Jesus says, go and sin no more. What grace. A life hanging in the balance, ready to be condemned. And friends, this is the good news of the gospel. But can I say to us, before the good news of the gospel goes to the ends of the earth and is proclaimed and demonstrated there, Jesus first goes to his best friends and demonstrates this good grace to them. And can I say that in the last 13 months, as we have been apart that my guess is that there have been things that have happened that in such a way that have maybe, maybe you've been offended. Maybe a grudge has been taken. Maybe someone has disappointed you. Maybe someone has even abandoned you. Maybe someone has actually maybe betrayed you. There's disloyalty and disappointment. And you find yourself holding a rock. We all have one today. In the last 13 months, perhaps your spouse disappointed you and you picked up a rock. Or in the last 13 months, perhaps your children disappointed you and resentment began to be built and you picked up a rock. Perhaps in the last year, your employer or a fellow employee disappointed you and you picked up a rock. Perhaps there were decisions made by a school district that you did not agree with and you picked up a rock. Perhaps there were decisions made by the church you attend and you end up picking up a rock. Perhaps there were decisions that you disagree with wholeheartedly that, that, the, that the state made and you picked up a rock. Perhaps it went wider than that. Perhaps it was a, a decision that your government made. And you find yourself 13 months later, Easter 2021, and you have a host of opinions And you find yourself carrying many rocks because, friends, you've been disappointed. Friends, resentment has crept into your heart and it could have even got to this ugly point where bitterness is there and the root is deep. And can I say to you on this Easter in 2021 that before Jesus would go into all the world, before he would commission disciples, he would first go to failures and he would express grace to them and say, I want you with me. I'm not canceling. I'm not surgically removing you from my life. 
This is the good news of the gospel. As Christ has forgiven us, we can forgive one another. And the good news of the gospel then can be demonstrated by those who have experienced it for themselves. And perhaps you are here today and you have never even understood why Jesus goes to a cross. Perhaps you're sitting in a house church or you're listening as you're driving and you're like, I, this is some religious thing, so here I am. Friends, here's the good news. We're all broken people and the fault lines run deep in our souls and it separates us from God. But there is a God who loves you and likes you so much that he would go and pay the sin debt that you owe. The breath in your lungs belongs to him. And there's a price to be paid, and he paid it. In a few moments, we're going to watch a video that explains this gospel good news to us. It's done somewhat creatively, but I hope you allow this good news to soak in in this Easter and you will understand what Christ has done for us. Then I'll pop back up and I'll just lead us in a time of response. Because when we encounter the risen Christ, like those first followers did, there is a response. It's joy. It's humility. And let's respond to our Christ. Let's watch this video. It's the full story of life crushed into four minutes. The entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand, crushed into one sentence. Listen, it's intense, right? God, our sins, paying everyone life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told, God. Yes, God, the maker and giver of life. And by life, I mean any and all manner and substance, seen and unseen, what can and can be touched, thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans, God. All of it is handiwork, one of which is masterpiece, made so uniquely that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery, the concept so cold, it's the reason I stay bold, how God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. Formed with the intent of being infinitely, intimately fond, creator and creation held an eternal bond. And it was placed in perfect paradise till something went wrong. A species got deceived and started lusting for his job and odd list of complaints. As if the system ain't working and used that same breath he graciously gave us to curse him. And that sin seed spread through our soul's genome. And by nature of your nature, your species, you participated in the mutiny. Our, yes, our sins. It's nature inherited, black in the human heart. It was over before it started. Deceived from day one and led away by our own lust. There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it? And how do we fix it? Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding besides trying to prove God is like defending a lion, homie. It'll need your help. Just unlock the cage. Let's move on on how our debt can be paid. Short and sweet. The problem is sin. Yes, sin. It's a cancer. An asthma, choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection. But silly us, 
trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us. Keep up your good deeds. Chant, pray, meditate. But all of that, of course, is spraying cologne on a corpse. Or you could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink. It's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe. But all of that ends with how good is good enough. Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection. Good luck. That's life past your pay grade. The cost of your soul, you ain't got a big enough piggy bank. But you could give it a shot. But I suggest you throw away the list, because even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here's where it gets interesting. I hope you're closely listening. Please don't get it twisted. It's what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says as part A of the gospel. You can't fix yourself. Quit trying. It's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back. You owe him. Eternally separated, and the only way to fix it is someone die in your place. And that someone gotta be perfect, or the payment ain't permanent. So if and when you find a perfect person, get him or her to willingly trade their perfection for your sin and death in. Clearly, since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God, God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness. His death functions as payment. Yes, payment. Wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection we all cheered because that means the check cleared. Pierced feet, pierced hands, blood-stained son of man, fullness, forgiveness, free passage into the promised land. That same breath that God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. And anyone and everyone, and by everyone I mean everyone, who puts their faith and trust in Him, and Him alone can stand in full confidence of God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is, that you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ and Christ alone. You are receiving life. Yes, life. This is the gospel. God, our sins, paying everyone life. We have a tradition here that when anyone wants to begin this new life with Jesus, that an act of humility, of coming to the one who can forgive and asking for forgiveness and just saying to him, Jesus, I, I, know, I know the fault lines run deep. I, I know I, I've made mistakes. I, I know I have sinned. We, we invite them to come to a cross and to pound a right ribbon, to write their name and to create this moment that they would never forget that there is a God who sent his son so that we could be reunited with the Father. In a few moments, maybe you're here and you've never heard this news that really begins with bad news, that you're separated from God. He created you. He is the one who gave you life. He is the one who gave you breath. And yet you've done life without him. And he wants to do it with you. And today, in a few moments, you're going to have an opportunity to come to a cross and write your, your name on a white ribbon and pound it in the cross and receive forgiveness. 
The scriptures say that if anyone confesses their sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A spiritual cleansing, a spiritual shower, every stain removed, all shame and guilt taken off of you. And life, a new life, walking in a new way, the kingdom way. So in a few moments, I'm going to invite you to come to the cross. And that might, be, it might get your heart kind of pounding right now. And can I just tell you, if your heart is pounding right now, whether it's in a house church or here in the room, that's Jesus talking to you. He's calling you. He's drawing you. He's wooing you to himself. And for many of us in the room, we gave our lives to Jesus years ago. For many of you who are in house churches or you're watching a live stream, you, you, you began a friendship with Jesus maybe last year, maybe 10 years, maybe 50 plus years ago. But on this Easter, perhaps this is an Easter where we've come and we've brought our rocks with us. We've brought our wounds, our hurts with us. And our response simply is like those religious leaders on that day. We hear Jesus say to us, hey, he who is without sin can cast the first stone. We get to actually demonstrate he, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be compassionate and tenderhearted with one another. Forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. Friends, there are buckets up here in front. There are buckets in the back of the balcony. Here's your opportunity today. You've got a rock in your hand. Maybe a name is coming to mind. Maybe an organization is coming to mind. An institution, a group of people. Think about it. Have we picked up a rock? And if so, what a great day to drop our rocks. And as the team is going to lead us in worship, I'm going to invite you to come forward and drop your rocks. Come forward and pound a white ribbon in the cross or go to the back of the balcony and drop your rock and experience the grace that Christ wants us to experience. Would you stand? And as the Lord is leading, frankly, some of you this morning... You need more time. There's no rush to come put a rock in a bucket. You, you need, you need, the wound is deep. There's no shame in hanging on to your rock. And, and sometime later, I pray sometime later in the week, you'll be able to drop the rock. But some of you are ready. This is a burden you've been carrying and Jesus wants to lift it from you. And I just pray that you'd sense the, the, the peace of Christ, the joy of Christ flood your soul as you hear the thuds. Let's respond in never, however Jesus is, is leading us. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit at SalemAlliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.